BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, well, well. Here we are on The Bill Press Show on a Friday, October 6th. It's me, your old pal Peter. Here in the big chair, hosting the show. The end of my first week back. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. And when I say tuning in, I mean there are so many ways you could get the show. We are streaming live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Make sure you're subscribed there. Also, just as important and actually a little bit easier for you sometimes, depending on where you're listening or watching, we are on Facebook Live. Facebook Live. Go check us out there. Just follow the show on Facebook. You get a uh, live stream of the show on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at BP Show. Big, 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 very important piece of information. Also, go download the podcast after the program every single day. Just look for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and all the good work that we put out there through our uh, our label, our podcast house, District Productive, all the great work that we're doing there. Folks, it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a big show. We've got so much stuff to talk about. We've got Pema Levy from Mother Jones joining us a little bit later on in the hour, plus the return of John Allen. And our friend Wes Lowry from the Washington Post. We're going to talk a lot about guns today. We've got a lot to talk about. But first, Jamie Benson is the full court press. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. Good to have you back in the host chair, oh, Mr. Ogburn. Let's start with a congratulations. Okay. You're supposed to say congratulations. Congratulations. Back. Congratulations to the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize winner. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. <laughs> well, now that is timely. It is very timely. <laughs> that is very timely. Donald Trump is considering and very likely will try to, quote, decertify the Iran nuclear deal next week. Did you say nuclear? Are you a nucle- nuclear guy? What do you do? Nuclear. I, that's what I said, right? You said nuclear. You went full George W. Bush. Nuclear? You said nuclear. Damn. I, that's all right. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not roasting. Say it again. Nuke, it's nuclear. Nuclear. Yeah, not nuclear. Nuke, nuke, uh, I can't do it again. All nuclear. Right. <laughs> nuclear. Nobel Peace Prize Academy <laughs> Committee Chairwoman said Friday that the campaign, quote, has been a driving force in prevailing upon the world's nations to pledge to cooperate in an effort to stigmatize, prohibit, and eliminate nuclear weapons. 
there it went. See? The organization based in Geneva will receive a $1.1 million prize. Congratulations to the international campaign to abolish I, nuclear weapons. I am all for it. I am all for it. Yeah. Yesterday, now more than ever. Yesterday, the New York Times published an extensive report detailing movie producer Har- Harvey Weinstein's history of sexual harassment against women that have worked with or for him, including the actress Ashley Judd. Wow. While Weinstein says that he, quote, bears responsibility for his actions, he believes that the New York Times is responsible for, quote, tell me if this sounds familiar, reckless reporting. No, I think this is a terrible, terrible story. And my least favorite part of this story, and let's be honest, there are a lot to hate, is the very last paragraph of his uh, uh, piece that he had where he said basically, hey, I'm I'm a good liberal, and I've got to set my sights on something positive, so I'm going to take on the NRA. And it's like, hey, dude, no, you don't get to act like no. this no. And, then, and then sort of hide behind the fact that, like, you're a good liberal. No, liberals should be outraged at this. Just take a seat. He did, in fact, hold a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton during yeah. her campaign last year. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, – nope, I don't have anything else on that. Let's go to the MLB playoffs. Yeah. yeah. MLB playoffs yesterday. Uh, oh, the, the Red Sox played yesterday, Jamie. The Boston Red Sox lost to the Houston Astros oh, in the ALDS 8-2. to That's game one of a oh, best-of-five series. The Cleveland Indians defeated the New York Yankees 4 to nothing on the other side of the ALDS. Again, a first game of a five-game series tonight. Cubs and Nationals kicks off right here in Washington, 7.30 p.m. And Diamondbacks-Dodgers, a 10.30 start if you're watching on the East Coast. Baseball fever. Catch Fun. It. It's October. Yeah, I love it, Let's man. Get into it. I love it. your radio on tv and online this is the bill press show it is the bill press show hello everybody my name is peter ogburn sitting in for bill press i'm just taking off my i had a vest situation on i I, I got that got too hot that's all right right i can just take it off (laughs) stay tuned to see which item of clothing i take off next hour you were wearing a vest i'm wearing flip-flops this morning jamie First of all, Cyprian and I were coming up out of the uh, the parking garage this morning, and Jamie is wearing like athletic shorts and flop flops. These aren't athletic shorts; these are they look like, like athletic shorts from shorts. where I was. You could wear these with a dress shirt with flip flops in the summertime. In the summertime, yeah. Oh, no, is, it su- is it summer? I fully acknowledge that. Uh, I'm not roasting you over it. I look. It's I October, for- and I'm wearing flip flops. But I uh, I had a night. And, uh, oh, dear. Did you have a little too much evening? I, I happen to live right down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say I had this outfit already picked out anyway. Ooh, that's a cell phone. Uh, but I, you know, I was weighing shoes and sandals, <laughs> and I said, mm, it's going to be pretty- go, go for it. Pretty breezy, comfortable walk over with It's a little sandals. chilly willy-woo out this morning, That wasn't too bad. Not too bad, but I, didn't, I wouldn't call it flop I got a pullover on, too. It balances everything out. It's very confusing. I'm all about temperature control. It's very disorienting. Well- you know, you, you were too sweater, hot. When you got a sweater, you were too hot. I have, right. I have not removed one article of clothing. You, you are absolutely correct. And I have correct. not added an article Who's of clothing. Who's the fool? That's right. Probably me. Think about that. Probably me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bill Press Show on a Friday, October 6th. What a show. What a show. We've got on tap for you today. A lot of our favorites here on the program today. Pimelevi, 
Jonathan Allen and Wes Lowry all going to be joining us here on today's program. I don't like to rank guest lineups, but I would say today's and yesterday's pretty stellar guest lineups. Monday's was really, really good. I got to tell you. Because it was your first show back. Look at the whole week. Not a miss. No. I don't, Not one miss. I don't think we've had. Oh, Nina Turner was here. Nina Turner was here. That was Wednesday. Sherry Bustos, who I that love, was Tuesday. Was here. Man, I mean, it was we've a, had a week. It's a banner week all around. Look, I come back, we turn the show around. That's just all I'm going to say. So tell your friends <laughs> how great our guests are and make them go listen to our podcast. I was, if you haven't heard this week's shows, go listen to the podcast. It's on iTunes. Uh, just look for Bill Press Show, Bill Press Show on iTunes. We've got all the shows there. Uh, every single one from this week we have. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a week. It's been a week of sad news. It's been a week of heavy news, hard news to talk about. The shooting in Las Vegas uh, was sort of the, the, the way we started this week. We woke up on Monday morning with that awful news. And, of course... Uh, you know, we were asking, "What are we going to do? When are we going to get? When are we going to get some uh, legislation that will actually help control the gun situation in this uh, in this country?" And yesterday, remarkably, the NRA came down on the side of gun control. Well, not so fast. I got a couple of thoughts on this, which I'll share with you. The National Rifle, I want to read straight from this story from The Hill. The National Rifle Association, or the NRA, in its first statement on the Las Vegas mass shooting, is calling for an additional regulations for additional regulations on a device used by the shooter that allows semi-automatic guns to fire more rapidly. Now, these are the bump stocks, which you've heard a lot about this week. Uh, this shooter in Las Vegas, Stephen Paddock, who we still don't know why or what his motive was, why he did what he did or what his motive was, but we, we, we know that he, he did do this. And we know that he didn't have automatic weapons, but he had semi-automatic weapons. And the way that you turn these semi-automatic weapons into automatic weapons is by using these bump stocks. Essentially, you take off the manufactured stock of the gun, the, the back end of the gun, and you put on this bump stock, which allows you to rapid fire these semi-automatic, semi-automatic weapons, which, why in the world would you need that? But all week long, we've heard from gun nuts, and I'll call them gun nuts, are you going to be the person to run out there on the first week after the shooting and defend these semi-automatic weapons and automatic weapons? It's insane. By the way, this is what it sounded like. I, I, I don't want to play too much of this because I know that people no, have it's, seen this. It's on, worth listening to. On cable news before, but you know, just me looking at the sound wave, I don't know if Sip can get the view of this for the video, but me looking at the sound wave of how close together... Yeah. these shots are really helps illuminate how scary these bump stocks are. So here's what it Go sounds ahead. like. Listen to that. I'm going to stop there because yeah, no. the rest of that is a little little choppy. But, but that to me, that when we listened to this audio, when I saw this audio on, on Monday morning, I mean, we all jumped to the conclusion, and maybe shame on us a little bit, but I mean, it's it's not a quantum leap to say that is a 
that sounds like an automatic weapon. Right. And it, it, what happens when you use it, as far as I understand, is you're basically shaking back and forth with it. It moves your entire body. Wow. Uh, and it decreases accuracy, but of course it increases uh, the frequency and speed uh, at which the bullets come out of the gun. So that's uh, it's, terrifying. It's it's horrifying. Uh, and 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 again, and you know, not to uh, dissect this too much, but like in a situation like the one that this shooter put himself in, uh, accuracy is not the name of the game. I mean, he found a large crowd of sitting ducks, and he was just firing randomly into the crowd. And we learned uh, yesterday that he had been targeting other festivals yeah. and sporting events. In fact. Hitting home for me, he was looking at hotels uh, around Fenway Park in Boston. Yeah, Fenway Park. Uh, he wanted to view directly into the crowd. Into a crowd. And thank God there's no hotels that have that. Right. But if there had been, what could have happened? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then the he, he also in Chicago, he had looked at uh, hotels that were overlooking Lollapalooza. Right. And then, of course, in Las Vegas, he overlooked this this particular uh, uh uh, festival, this country and western music festival. So, <clears throat> all week long, I've seen because I, I I know who the to the uh, typical gun nuts are online on Twitter, uh, and so much, so many of them were out there this week, sort of saying, "Oh no, we can't, not even one regulation on this stuff." Look, you might not like it, but there's a reason for all this stuff. You know, we've got to have these bump stocks. we got to have these bump stocks, which I don't know. It, 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 this week, to me, more than anything, more than ever, has really illuminated just how little these guys care about hunting. Like, you're not hunting with a gun that shoots as rapidly as the one that we heard in Las Vegas, the sound that we just played. That You're not hunting anything with that. You shoot a deer with that, you're not going to have much to work with when you get at home. So they were all lined up to defend this guy's right to have bump stocks. And yesterday the NRA undercut them and said, "Yeah, we don't we don't think there should be bump stocks." Which if I find any pleasure in this grisly horrible story, it's the fact that all of these gun nuts got hung out to dry by their lord and savior Wayne Lapierre from the NRA. I actually find that funny. Should the NRA get any credit here? No, absolutely not. I saw a bunch of people out yesterday saying, "Oh, good for the NRA. They're finally they're finally doing something right." Oh, really? Well, let's look at the fine print. The NRA I'm reading directly from the story from the uh, the Hill. The NRA stopped short of calling for legislation on bump stocks. Well, now, well, now, that doesn't add up. Why didn't they call for legislation? They instead urged lawmakers to pass a quote national right to carry reciprocity, which says it would allow people to defend themselves. Now, I might not be a smart man. But I don't see the leap between saying we should no longer have bump stocks and a law that makes a national right to carry law legal. 
I can't I can't see so good. Anybody figure that out for me? I can't I can't quite figure that out. Well, Peter, you know what they say, if you take away one gun, you have to give two back. I guess so. I mean, they're falling back on this whole uh uh, good guy with a gun, bad guy with a gun mentality. And the NRA supporters saw what you saw because yeah. they support these bump stocks. One of their biggest supporters, conservative commentator Dana Loesch, oh, tweeting 10 hours ago. The worst. Quote, we didn't call for a ban or confiscation from NRA's uh, leader, Wayne LaPierre, LaPierre, after he appeared on Fox News on Sean Hannity's program last night. And then Dana Loesch spent the rest of her uh, evening on Twitter Talking about Harvey Weinstein because yes, that's uh, certainly Harvey Weinstein is something worth talking it's about. We're talking about hardly the scourge on America that and, the guns are, and for somebody who appears in the NRA's ads. Yeah, right. Look, <clears throat> the NRA is not here to help us, and they're not here to save us from guns. Uh, the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act, which is what the NRA is pushing for to save us from bump stocks would allow gun owners, listen, to travel state to state with concealed weapons even when traveling to states with laws restricting concealed weapons, which which undercuts their whole argument. I mean, this is so crazy to me that their answer to automatic and I, I'll call them automatic weapons because once you put a bump stock on one of these semi-automatic weapons you have a machine gun you've got an automatic weapon so their reaction to that is oh we should let people carry more guns from state to state like they should have more so like so I said this earlier uh, you know like this whole thing of oh, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun I think that's Ab- like ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous, but like I-, I see their logic there. Like I hear their argument. I violently disagree with it, but I hear where they're coming from. Like in the in the case of like Sandy Hook, right? Like okay, if there had been an armed guard there, maybe we could have stopped this sooner. May- maybe it's a big maybe, but at least it's like based in cogent thought. This. A shooter on the 32nd floor of a hotel 500 yards away from the actual event. First of all, nobody knew where it was coming from. By the time that anybody figured out where it was coming from, are they really going to shoot at a hotel 500 yards away? Like, we would have killed so many more people. I'm also reminded of the Aurora, Colorado shooting in the theater where there was a guy shooting a a crowded theater. If there had been a bunch of guns there in a dark theater, how many more people would have been injured? I mean, we don't need more guns to solve this problem. We need less guns. Take all the guns away. Well, the bump stock really amplifies Go ahead. the danger of a gun. Oh, my God. And guns in general in the sense that it is literally like something that a villain in a superhero movie would use. Yeah. It reminds right. me of a scene out of The Dark Knight. Yeah. Not to make light of the Aurora shooting, sure. but it literally reminds me of a character like the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, this gun doesn't shoot fast enough. Here's something that will make it shoot even faster. <sighs> build me a Batmobile before you build me more guns. Yeah, exactly. 
The NRA also noted this, this, this really pissed me off. The NRA also noted that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives approved the sale of bump stocks during the Obama administration. With a lot of help from the NRA, by the way. They left that out of their, their statement where they were going to save America. Everybody lining up to thank the NRA for the great work that they're doing. Let's not forget that the NRA fought for these bump stocks. Despite the fact that the Obama administration approved the sale of bump fire stocks on at least two occasions, which, by the way, I, I, I don't want to take any heat off of the Obama administration. Shame. Shame on them for letting this happen. Shame on them for letting this pass. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. The NRA believes that the device is designed to allow semi-automatic rifles to function like fully automatic rifles should be subject to additional regulations in an increasingly dangerous world. The NRA remains focused on our mission, strengthening America's Second Amendment freedom to defend themselves, their families, and their communities. So, like, it was amazing when this statement came out and everybody says, oh, the NRA is, is sort of caving on gun uh, control. They're actually open to some gun control. Oh, really? Sloppy, lazy journalism. Sloppy, lazy journalism. If anything, the real story here is that the NRA wants to put more guns in the hands of Americans. And while they say they're against bump stocks, they have fought for them in the past, and they did not ask for any legislation to take care of this. They asked for the ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, uh, the Bureau there, to take a look at getting rid of these, which is not how this works. This is literally the equivalent of saying these headlines Whenever Trump takes like two days off from Twitter, yeah, he's making a pivot. Yeah, exactly. Presidential. That's pivot. exactly what it is. Because they, exactly the NRA is. went silent yeah. for two or three days after the shooting. Yeah, released I, the statement, and then Lapierre goes on Hannity last night, and then now everybody thinks, oh, they came out and they did something, but we didn't actually read what they did. Right. The NRA believes that devices designed to allow semi-automatic rifles to function like fully automatic rifles should be subject to additional regulations. That is a small quote from a large statement from the NRA. When you go on to read it, it goes on to sort of make the case and make the argument that, like, well, the government can't do anything about this. I will, I will also shame the Trump administration, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, where she talked about, uh, well, we can have this conversation about bump stocks. We certainly welcome that, would like to be part of that conversation, uh, and we would like to see a clear understanding of the facts, and we'd like to see input from the victims' families, from law enforcement, from policymakers. Okay, so now apparently is the time. Monday wasn't the time. Tuesday wasn't the time. Wednesday, I think, Trump was in Las Vegas where he said, we're not going to talk about that, we're not going to talk about that. Now all of a sudden they'll have this conversation because the NRA has loosened their leash to talk about it. Donald Trump also uh, yesterday said, we're going we're gonna to be looking into this. We're going to be looking into this. We'll be, we'll be looking into that over the next short period of time. We'll be, looking in, we'll be looking into that over the next short period of time. Listen, he is the fattest, dumbest, oldest president we've ever had. And he doesn't even know what bump stocks are. That's what I, I think is so funny. Like, people will ask him these questions, 
And he'll give a very vague answer, like, oh, we're going to be looking into that. We're going to be looking into that. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll have a statement on that very soon. Someone should ask him, hey, what are bump stocks? What are bump stocks? Like. <laughs> or someone should ask him, how does a bill get passed? <laughs> How does a bill become law? How many senators are actually needed to pass a bill in the Senate? Uh, hey, we got some comments on Twitter. Oh, I love your comments. In. I love your comments. Uh, our guy Romaine. Oh, I love Romaine. Uh, tweeting uh, about the shooter, Stephen Paddock. Keep in mind, he was shooting for 12 whole minutes. Hashtag right. bump stocks equal bullcrock. Oh, that's I like, good. I like that that's hashtag, good. Romaine. Good work, Romaine. Uh, Phil weighs in saying, sort of coming out against bump stocks is a bone thrown by the NRA. They'll say, we did something, now leave us alone. Oh. I also want to add this tweet. Border Collie guy. Go ahead, Border Collie guy. Weighing in, uh, he, he was upset about uh, some video issues earlier. He said, um, press not there as usual, <laughs> replaced by Big Mouth, likes to hear himself talk millennial. Millennial? You're a millennial now. I am not a millennial. Congratulations. I'm a, I am a lot of things. I am not a millennial. Congratulations. I, I feel good about that. I feel good about saying I am not a millennial. Do you prefer big mouth or blowhard? I've always thought I was way more of a blowhard. I mean. Just the way you just said it right there. I mean, that's it. Blowhard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that <laughs> Alex Jones like yeah. depth in your folks, throat. Folks, I think, I think it's pretty clear that I've become a blowhard, not a big mouth. Come on. Big mouth. This is an amazing time to be alive. What an amazing time, ladies and gentlemen. I think people have missed your Alex Jones impression. I've missed my Alex Jones impression. The nurses in the hospital weren't as impressed as you guys were. No. <laughs> they, didn't want to, they, didn't, they didn't want to hear you talk about the freaking frogs turning gay. <laughs> they didn't think that was it. Where's the wing where you've got the fish people? Not a good bedside talk. I know you've got the fish people here somewhere in the in the hospital. I want to see them. Take me to see the freaking frogs. Y'all are turning gay. <laughs> Did you do Bernie for them? I didn't do Bernie. Oh. There's a, there's a thing. I'm not going to go off on a, a too much of a tangent in my hospital. See, there's a whole thing because they give you so many painkillers and mind-altering drugs when you're in the, in the hospital. And you sort of like come to and you have moments of lucidity. And there'll be a group of nurses surrounding you. And they're all looking at you a little funny. And I'm like, oh, God, what did I say? Like I said something horrible, didn't I? And I'd like I'd ask them, I'm like, what did I say? Did I say something horrible? And they all just kinda snicker. I, I I can't help it. It's the drugs talking. At one point mm, Go ahead. Can I share this? You can share whatever you this want. This is one of my favorite moments of, of you ever. Oh, go ahead. And you were under drugs. So, go ahead. But we've talked about this. Ray was with me. Go ahead. Uh you called a nurse whose name is Muhammad. Yeah. Uh you called him Debrickashaw. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe is the name of a co- former college football player. Former, former uh, football player. He used to play for the uh, for the uh, Jets. There you yeah. go. DeBrick- oh, yeah, DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Yeah, DeBrickashaw Ferguson. There you go. It's yeah. one of my favorite names of all time. <laughs> hey, it's, that's my man DeBrickashaw. That's my man DeBrickashaw. Now, my name is Mohammed, <laughs> sir. Yeah, DeBrickashaw, like I said. When he was kicking him. What? When he, when he was what? Go ahead. So Muhammad was actually quizzing you, trying to check on your mental state. Yeah, which was and not great saying, at the beginning. What's my name, Peter? You know, I know your name. <laughs> I have no recollection of this. I just want to congratulate you. You just got a rare Ray on the microphone. We got Ray moment. on the mic. That never happens. I, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, anyway, anyway, 
One other clip I want to play on the gun uh, situation and the bump stocks is Paul Ryan. Uh, Jamie, that, that that first clip. Now I don't I don't want to get too judgmental, and I don't want to beat up on Paul Ryan too too much. But like, this is this is the 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 Speaker of the House. This is the guy who should have his finger on the pulse of what's going on in this country. And I would say on the top five issues that are affecting and impacting the United States of America, gun control is pretty big, pretty high on that list. Like the gun situation in America is pretty bleak. But Paul Ryan goes, what am I supposed to do? I have no idea what a bump stock is. I didn't know what a bump stock was <laughs> you know, until this week. So I think a lot of us are coming up to speed. And I'm an avid sportsman. Uh, so a lot of us are coming up to speed just what this is. Go oh, great. I mean, talk about real leadership. I'm an avid sportsman. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. When I think of Paul Ryan, I think of avid sportsman. So Politico has a great tracker uh, that they published this week. If you haven't checked it out, oh, politico.com. It's, so it's one of their interactive pieces. It is tracking gun lobbying spending in Congress. Uh, they looked specifically at uh, contribu- uh, contributions from the NRA during the 2016 election cycle. At the top of the list, by far the most money received from the NRA. Yeah. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. Oh, well, that is a $171,000 from the NRA. So, you know... That's if you a, receive that much money, I would think that they'd like probably include like a NRA encyclopedia <laughs> or something where you can like yeah, it's probably it's probably alphabetized yeah, too. The a, just a to Z of the NRA. Open. Uh yep. Uh ballistics. <laughs> um Oh yeah, bump stock. Bump, bump stocks, stock. Right there. No, there is no way Paul Ryan didn't know what that was. And if he didn't, shame on him. He should have. Anyway, you're gonna, you you probably saw a lot of reporting yesterday about good for the NRA and 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 what a brave stand and they're starting to cave a little bit on gun control. Don't believe the hype. It is not what it appears to be. I promise you that. One final clip. You know, in case you needed more proof that we live in hell. Yesterday Donald Trump uh had a a little uh a dinner for some military elite. This is horrifying to me because uh, he has all these military commanders and he's having this dinner and then he lets the pool in, the media come in. And Jamie, I just want to play that, that clip of Donald Trump with all of these commanders and their wives and Melania, who looks, you know. God, she was staring straight ahead, just blank stare. Just dead behind Deer the eyes. In the headlights. Good God. Smile while he's talking. And you have to listen very carefully to what he says here, but he talks about the calm before the storm with all of these military commanders behind him. Go ahead. Calm before the storm. What storm is We have the world's great military people in this room. I will tell you that. And uh, we're not great even. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. What storm, Mr. President? You'll find out. I'm sick of that. I can't do that anymore. Stop saying you'll find out. I know. 
This is not yeah. primetime television. That's just what he thinks. Okay? That's what he I, thinks. We're not waiting until next week to see what happens in the series finale. Wow. I love a cliffhanger. I love the cliffhanger for, you know, the country. It is entirely dangerous what for the United States of coming? America for their leader to be doing this. What storm is coming? Oh, you'll find out. God, I mean, that is villainous. It's villainous. Are we going to war with Iran? Is that what's going to happen? Look, if you look at those comments from yesterday, it certainly sounds like it. And I'm not saying that we're definitely going to do it because I think, I'd like to think that our Secretary of Defense wouldn't let that happen. But this is a guy who's serving Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Mike, I am not optimistic. What did Corker say yesterday? That it was uh, Tillerson, Mattis, and Kelly, the three men that are protecting us from chaos. World War. Chaos. That's only three men. Yeah. And one man with a giant ego. Yeah. Who who has the power to fire all of those guys? Nuclear football. Yeah. Ooh, I said it wrong this time, didn't I? You did. You said nuclear again. I'm a nuclear guy. Nuclear. 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 I'll get it one day. You'll get it. Anyway, just wanted to give you that little sound bite before you uh, have that sip of coffee this morning. It might wake you up more than the caffeine. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to politics reporter for Mother Jones. Good friend of the show, Pema Levy, is going to be joining us in studio. Stay tuned. We've got some updates on the election commission with Donald Trump and whether or not there were illegal votes in the election. Stay tuned. I'm an avid sportsman. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show, 36 minutes past the hour. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today on uh, the end of the week, Friday, October 6th. Bill will be back next week, uh, but you're stuck with me for now. But luckily, I brought in some big brains to help me talk about the news, including Pema Levy, politics reporter for Mother Jones. You can follow her good work at motherjones.com, and you should definitely follow Pema. Pema Levy, P-E-M-A. L-E-V-Y. Hi, Pema. Hey. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. That's a good answer. Good is better than yeah. like most people, I think, this week. It's been a it's been a terrible week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Which is, yeah I don't a- know if it's has it been like worse than every other week. It's been pretty bad. It's yeah. been a pretty yeah. bad week. Yeah, Monday was bad. Monday was bad. Yeah. You know what? I will say this. Uh I'll give you a little bit of, of good news. I, I saw this yesterday. I took a I took a screenshot of it. Is it a cuddly animal? No, it's not a cuddly animal. Oh. But this makes me happy because Tom Petty <laughs> passed away this week. But Tom Petty music sales have leapt 6,216% since he died. So that's good news. Like, more people are hearing Tom Petty's music. How does that compare to Michael Jackson? Remember Michael Jackson, like, stayed at number one yeah, I for, bet like, weeks after I saw that died. Tom Petty had the number one album or the number one song on iTunes. I bet the Michael Jackson thing was bigger. But still, though, more people listening to Tom Petty is... A-OK in my book. 
Uh, Jamie, let, shop talk. We were talking a little yeah. media news during the break. Do you have an update? Yeah, Fox and Friends. Uh, you may know Abby Huntsman uh, frequently appears on Fox and Friends. I oh, believe yeah. she hosts the Weekend Edition. Is that right? She hosts the Weekend Edition, but she's also like the go-to fill-in for the weekday for for Ainsley. Ainsley, right? Okay. Ainsley, yeah, that's right. Whatever her name. So uh, she <laughs> interviewed. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Current ambassador to Russia. Who is that? John Huntsman. <laughs> so she interviewed her dad? Abby Huntsman interviewed her dad, John Huntsman, you know. on a serious news program this morning. Okay, I thought it was just her dad. Her mom was in a portion of the interview, too. So I'm reading the transcript. Aaron Blake from the Washington Post tweeting out the trans- transcript just a few minutes ago. Uh, here's the end of this. Uh, Abby, how do we communicate there? John, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Abby, laughing. Okay, I love you guys so much. Abby's mom, I love you too. A oh, great, great end of the interview. John, thanks, Abs. Kisses forehead. Thanks, Abs. Look, I think this is gross when they have uh, kids on on uh, the news interviewing their parents, or like, or like Chris Cuomo on CNN. He's interviewed his brother. I don't the, like that. The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Horrible look. Because they always fit in like one little cutesy moment yeah, so no, that they can I don't go viral that. on the internet. It's, I don't it's need all that. on purpose. They got Jenna Bush interviewing uh, uh, Pappy Bush. Oh, yeah, I hate that. I hate that. And they've got that Steve Douchey on uh, Fox News. They got his kid on the channel, too. What's his name? Peter Douchey? Yeah. So they're both on Fox News. Uh, ridiculous. Is this like the... Um, ridiculous. The, uh, you know, I don't know. Does, does like Huntsman have to like... Get some like in his interviews approved at this point, and they're like, "Well, you can you can go on. You can go with your daughter. She's not going to ask you anything hard. No hard questions from abs. It's just yeah. And Trump Trump might have a thing for your daughter too. Yeah, sure, of course. It's grotesque. It's grotesque is what it is. Hi, Pema. Hey. (laughs) Let's talk other news. You have some very 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 good reporting on on an issue that I think is a big big deal because we. Famously remember what Donald Trump said on Twitter that all these millions of people voted illegally. And so there is an election commission. Like it's 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 like a one off BSE lying tweet that really sees no end because now everybody's just trying to cover it up and say, like, oh yeah, 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 totally. No, he was right. He was right. So we have an election commission. Uh and you, with your excellent reporting, new document shows Trump's election commission may be on shaky legal ground. Is there some good news here? Um, you know what? You're awfully wanna, hesitant to answer the question say, about good I news. I have written a co- I thought you were going to ask me about a different story about them. Remind me, read, the, read me the deck of that story so I can remember which one oh, it hey, is. So there's, you, you, you have the story. Um. <laughs> I swear I wrote the story. It sounds really familiar. No, no, no. I don't. The Pema, Pema, story, Pema, Pema story from A new court document has provided a rare view into the workings of Donald Trump's controversial election integrity commission, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, which yeah, is yeah. operated in almost complete secrecy, which like we haven't yeah. heard much about. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this all election good. commission. There was also a new lawsuit about the commission against the commission. So I thought you were going to ask me about that. I am later. And I was like, but oh yeah, we're going to get there. We're yeah, get yeah. There. This was actually great. Yeah. So this commission has been incredibly not transparent like the opposite yeah. of transparent 
They don't want to tell you anything, and they have all sorts of like bizarre legal reasons for that, which I'm excited to write about one day soon. Uh, but the uh, folks who are f- trying to get this commission to be more transparent, which they believe is is the law that they have to be, um, they they won a little battle in court recently, and as a result, the commission had to release what they call an index, mm-hmm. basically. It's like the metadata of their communications. So we don't get to see their communications. We don't get the content, but we get a list of their communications. And they reveal a lot of really interesting things about this about this commission. Um, Go on. <laughs> I'd love to and, hear and, more. And of course, they raise a lot of questions. I want to know. They, you know, I want to know a lot more. I want to see these one thing communications. That I, one thing that I did think was interesting from this story is that it, 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 this everybody knows that the. Or not everybody knows, but anybody who's following it knows that uh, Vice President Mike Piss is the guy who is the chair of this, but he's really pretty hands off. This is all in the hands of um, Chris Kobach, uh, the from Kansas. Oh yeah, um, who has been pretty bad about voting rights. I mean, really, not a very good uh, defender of voting rights around the country. Yeah, you could say the opposite. Uh, so he, yeah, so basically the commission is uh, on the surface bipartisan. Uh, but one of the things that this document shows is that Kobach and two other members of the commission who are also sort of on the ideological extreme, um, they're both, actually all three of them are alums of the Bush uh, Justice Department. Uh, they are all for voter ID laws. They all believe voter fraud is rampant. They all believe um, and I'm putting this in quotes, illegal aliens vote all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically it shows that they were all have all been communicating about important work of the commission without including the other commissioners. Even before all of them were on the commission, they were still doing this. And so this document showed that even before two of these guys were on the commission, it was those two in Kobach who planned this um, very controversial uh, decision to request uh data on every voter from every state. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, the whole commission deliberating this. It was like these three guys. Uh, So I think that that ultimately raises some legal questions about whether or not, you know, if a commission, it has to to be bipartisan. It has to, you know, include many viewpoints. And that's that's in the law. That's what advisory commissions have to do. Uh, But if you do that nominally and then all the substantive work is carried out by a couple of people, you know, over email or text, are you really following the law? I think one of the other things that's really important here is that there are emails showing that the commission is in contact with uh, third, they call it third party vendors. So I assume that means private companies. Mm. Um, Basically, because they want to do all of this, you know, analyses on this voter information they're getting, which is completely incomplete, uh, and then come up with some sort of, you know, um, revelation about voter fraud. And it looks like they're going to potentially outsource that work to a third party, which raises all sorts of other questions because it's like, oh, you have all of my sensitive information and you're just going to, you know, are you going to email that to like some company in back in Kansas or something for them to run all this data? And it's like, you know, there's all sorts of privacy and security questions involved here on top of the fact that this analysis is, you know, will will they even be forthcoming about what, you know, algorithms they use? Is this going to be like private, um, you know, company uh, intelligence? So it's really... There's a lot of questions and a lot of legal questions. For an administration that ran a whole campaign on sensitive information not being handled the right way, and I'm talking specifically about Hillary Clinton and her notorious uh, email server, um, this is 
like this really does show that nothing really matters. I mean, the, I mean, the fact that they want to go that way. Um, which I think is way more damaging than anything that Hillary Clinton had. Look, the Hillary Clinton email server was a bad look, and she shouldn't have done it. And was it as big of a story as the media made out to be? No. But like, she deserves to take a little bit of grief for that. I get it. Right? Sure. I feel like then they've just upped her. They've been like, oh, you did that. Well, we're going to do that times uh-huh. 10. Right, right, right. Oh, well, you could get away with this. <laughs> well, we're going to do – I mean, this is the, – the, the, the handling of – American citizens' voting information by a third-party company. Yeah, and I think is outrageous. This has been reported, but I feel like it it bears repeating. It's not just like, are you registered? What's your birthday? Right. I mean, and and this is by the way information that, to the extent legal, will become public. I can go up and look and be like, oh, my neighbor was dishonorably discharged from the military. Yeah. Oh, this person is you know a Republican, and I don't like Republicans, or this is a Democrat, and I don't like Democrats, or. Uh, you know, all sorts of things that that are private and that, you know, people can it can hurt them if that stuff gets out. Sure. Yeah. No, it's not stuff that, that <laughs> not to mention their address and where they live. <laughs> that, too, would also be problematic. Um, you mentioned this lawsuit yeah. against the uh, Election Commission. What's the what's the deal? What are we uh, dealing with? OK, so there are a number of lawsuits against this commission. I can't even count them at this point. OK, but it's great. probably getting up towards 10. Uh, and they've been I'm going... shocked it's that low. But go ahead. <laughs> right. I mean, there could be one in every state. So mm-hmm. uh, but they've been going on for a few months, which means they're starting to get uh, a little bit of traction, which is interesting to see this coming forward. But this is a new one that is um, how do I put this in the most succinct way. It's basically there's a law and no one's ever heard of it because basically it's followed and no one pays attention to it. But it basically says if you are going to collect a bunch of information, uh, specifically from from the public or from companies or something, then you have to make sh- you have to go through like a, a process. You have to get it approved so that you're not being like overly burdensome on people when it's unnecessary so that you're not, you know, throwing around private information. Basically, you just have to get this approved. You have to show how you're going to do it and what's going to happen. And uh, experts believe very strongly that this applies to uh, the advisory commission. It definitely, for example, explicitly in the law applies to the office of the president. Mm. Uh, But they didn't follow it, clearly, because they don't really understand what they're doing with their data or how they're getting it collected. They haven't told us what they're going to do with it. Uh, They haven't proved that they need it. Uh, And so it's a, you know, from the people who filed this lawsuit, and I think it's a pretty, you know, convincing argument at this point, they pretty obviously violated this law. And the experts I talked to said, yeah, they they definitely violated this law. Okay, so it's not looking great for this Trump election commission. That's that seems like there's some good news. I mean, yeah, I think that there are. <laughs> they definitely, I think, are in a lot of legal trouble. At the same time, I'm not sure that they care that much as long as they don't get totally shut down and, you know. Yeah. It. it and on some level, they already have If they lost... accomplish half of what they accomplished, it would be devastating. I mean, they've already lost credibility with the mainstream media, I think, and they, they don't seem to care. It, the point is just to put something put something in Donald Trump's hands that they think he will follow. And I think, yeah. you know, whether or not the New York Times or Mother Jones <laughs> thinks it's legit is, is irrelevant to them. Oh, God. We live in hell. Happy part, Friday. <laughs> part 48, you know, like it's... I have to tell you this, Jamie. Uh, uh, the other night, my my oldest uh, kid, yeah. he goes, uh, I did the math, and if Donald Trump is elected president for a second term, I'll be 20 when he's done because i got a 12-year-old. And he goes, 
I want to move to New Zealand. <laughs> I go, why New Zealand? He goes, it's pretty. Yeah, and he won't even get to vote in the next election. No, he that, no, decide. he was really upset about that. That was one of the things he was really you know. upset about. So we started looking at places in New Zealand. So we're, we're moving to New Zealand. That's my announcement this morning. It is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I had no, 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 no. It's like a, it's like a safer version of Australia. Right? <laughs> you gonna go where they shoot the Lord of the Rings movies? Yeah, I watched the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy when I was at home and on painkillers. So sorry. No, I love it. Are I, you kidding? Oh, it's, oh, oh, it's not for you. You don't like that. You don't like that fantasy stuff. Huh? No, I mean I did when it first came out, and then I kind of phased out of it. No, it's still good. It holds you know, I, up. I grew up. It holds so. up. Uh, you grew up. Yes, Peter didn't. I, I didn't. <laughs> I guess not. I can tell you, can't advocate it enough. I watched the whole trilogy in one day. Wow. wow. That's a lot. Well, you had painkillers. You know what, though? Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm sure. In stunning uh, high definition? Uh, yeah, that's right. 720 or 1080? Ooh, 720. Mm, yeah. Pass. 720. Sorry. Feel bad about that. Are you going to see Blade Runner tonight? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to the Nationals playoff game tonight. Oh, you decided to go? Yeah, I found some tickets. I Did you see what they? Um, I'm sorry. Standing room only. I'm, I'm no, go ahead. Go ahead. But they're standing room only tickets. Ooh, for I someone think. like you, I don't know. They, they got seats there. I'll, I'll need to There's take a little seats. break. I got, I got a place I could sit down and eat my Jello. So you hear what they're they're handing out at the game? What? So you know how Max Scherzer, their star pitcher, yeah. has two different colored eyes? Yeah. 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 Really cool. Just Google Max Scherzer if you've never done this before. Yeah, get a close up of his face. Any picture of him. He's freak. You'll see that he has two different color eyes. Yeah. M&M's made Max Scherzer like eye M&M's. And oh, that's them, cool. They're passing them out at, uh, at the Nats game tonight. I think like, sports giveaways are dumb, but uh, that's a good one. Well, you know, you it, there's a difference yeah, between like major league baseball giveaways and then minor league baseball giveaways because minor league baseball giveaways it's like how they support themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? Would you eat the Nims or would you keep the Nims? Ooh, that's a good. Jamie and I've had this question with like when he gets collectible stuff. Well, I'd I just steal- give it away. Like if I get a collectible, I just give it to a kid who. I'd steal have yours uh, and then eat mine. Ooh, smart! You mm. could have mine. I'm like, I'm like, what am I gonna do with it? You know what well, I mean? Now we're at two opposite ends, right? I said that you were a kid for watching Lord of the Rings, and then and now you're saying I'm a kid. And you got like bobbleheads for and indulging stuff in, in uh, sports yeah. Uh, collectibles. Yeah, we're both we're both grown uh, man children. Yeah, Pema, what's your uh, what's your kid? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. My kid thing. Yeah, yeah your kid thing. Um, uh, there's probably a lot of them. You still but... have like new kids on the block posters on your wall, and you just didn't grow up. No. Yeah, nothing like that. No, uh, not really. So it's a Marky Mark poster then. Yeah, fair. <laughs> totally I have fair. posters that are like in my closet, and I'm like, I can't put these up anymore, but I don't want to get rid of them. Wait, yet. really? Are you serious? Yeah. So they're like, just like what are the posters? in my closet. Oh no, no, no! They're like really, they're I, they're too nerdy. I couldn't, I couldn't say that. Are they Lord of the Rings posters? <laughs> no. It's all right if they are. I need an ally here in my Lord of the Rings fight. I, I do love Lord of the Rings. It's See? it's not though, but yeah. yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um. I want to ask you about the uh, the Alabama Senate race because it is a fascinating, fascinating race. Yeah. Um, I think we have to acknowledge that Donald Trump took a loss there. He went out and laid it on the line for Big Luther Strange. Yeah. My favorite politician's name. I don't know how well he is on the issues. I got a feeling he and I would disagree on a lot of stuff, but Big Luther's strange. I'm a little upset Big Luther's going away. I know. No, I am too. I think Big Luther uh, is is a cool-ass name to be a uh, United States senator, but he did not win. He did not win. 
Um, so, <laughs> by the way, I just have to say before <laughs> before I go any farther. <laughs> I commented that they let me host the show on uh, the end of my first week back, and our friend Sam McCullough says, what is this, some sort of a make-a-wish situation here or what? <laughs> <laughs> and I just saw that comment and it absolutely grabbed me. No, I earned this. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so Big Lu- sorry, I'm going to readjust. Big Luther's coming or is gone. Donald Trump yeah. took a loss. He put it. He put it on the line for Big Luther. Big Luther lost, and it was Roy Moore who I would say ran the Trumpiest of Trumpy campaigns in uh, in Alabama, not my home state, but the home state of my 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 family. I was just in Birmingham uh, about two months oh. ago. Have you been to Birmingham? I have. Yeah, it's great. Did you get good barbecue? They do have good barbecue. Yeah, and also uh, <laughs> surprisingly, great Mexican food. Oh yeah, they do have great Mexican food. Yeah. For yeah. my girlfriend, apparently they have plenty of gluten-free options. Birmingham is why. a weird place. And like we think of Birmingham as like the sort of ground zero for the civil rights movement back in the day and they and they embrace that. Like it's really interesting to me. And this is like my I'm going to go on a, on a huge tangent, but like that's the whole thing about the South in general is they like they really put their South their their uh, of their history right out there and force you to confront it. I, I'm I'm like I think that that's true. I also think that they also try and cover up. I think it's up. controversial. I think there are people that don't want that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, you're right. You know, it's not like everyone is singing kumbaya, but certainly enough people that they have you know their civil rights center and stuff. And, I yeah. put it this way: like in in Charleston, which is my actual hometown, there's the slave market that's still there in the middle of the city. Like if you go to the city. This, like the market where they sold slaves right across the street from the Port Authority is still there. However, like there's a plaque there that tells you what it was, and there's still a stand where they used to put slaves on, but like they, they also have like gussied it up, and there's a really nice coffee shop inside, and it's all like, you know, tchotchkes that they have there. But anyway, Birmingham and Alabama has uh, voted for Roy Moore to be the Republican nominee for Senate over the Donald Trump candidate. He's going to win. Yeah, I think he'll probably win. I mean, I think it's interesting. So I've been talking to um, a lot of Democrats there because they have a pretty interesting and and, and good candidate um, in Doug Jones. Uh, He is, you know, speaking of their civil rights past, he is um, known for prosecuting uh, the two of the bombers of the 16th Street Baptist Church uh, about 37 years after that bomb went off. And so... They actually have, you know, a strong and and well liked candidate. Again, it's it's Alabama. Yeah. Um. And so I've you know I've been talking to folks, and you know, pe- a lot of people have soured on Donald Trump. Alabama has not soured on Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, so it's an interesting question. I mean, for example, um, the folks I talk to say, look, Republicans have come up to me in confidence and said, I'm giving to Doug Jones. I'm voting for Doug Jones. I think the question is whether or not that really materializes into the business community in Birmingham coming yeah. forward and saying. You know, when we try to attract foreign business to our state, yeah. we really want to take them to Roy Moore's office. Right, <laughs> like that's a, that's a real that's, that's a real that's, thing. That's the question, and, and I don't know if they if if they think that they can really come forward and make a push for Republicans to jump ship here. You know, it's a it's a long shot, I think, but I think that there's there are definitely signs that Republicans are interested. Yeah, uh, and so we'll see how it goes. Pam, I want to get your thoughts on this clip from Steve Bannon. This was right after Roy Moore won the primary in Alabama. You're going to see in state after state after state, people that follow the model of Judge Moore that do not need to raise money, 
from the elites, from the crony capitalists, from the fat cats in Washington, D.C., New York City, Silicon Valley. It's like he's doing Mad Libs for Republican talking points there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about, I mean, it's hard for me to think of, There, sure, there'll be more Roy Moores, but... I mean, Moore is an institution. He's not someone who came out of nowhere. Right, right. I mean, Moore has been around Alabama for a long time. He has won, you know, two, at least two statewide races, right? He was the uh, chief justice of the state Supreme Court there. Um, and he's someone who's had, uh, you know, a following for a long time, uh, certainly among a certain subsection of Alabamians. Others think of him sort of as a quirky demagogue. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, you know, uh, yeah, will there be more of them? Sure. But. I, I, I'm reminded of the, the story that came out uh, not long after the, the Roy Moore win of, of uh, Steve Bannon recruiting Tom Tancredo to run in Colorado. Like, I'm not so sure that that's going to work in Colorado, but I don't know. Uh, politics reporter for Mother Jones, Pema Levy. Follow on Twitter at Pema Levy. Read your good work at MotherJones.com. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having you me. You are so good. Stay tuned. One more hour coming up. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show. Happy Friday, October 6th. Uh, we have a big, 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 big show planned and a wonderful last hour that we have up. I'm joined by, whoa, look at this, national political reporter for NBC News, Jonathan Allen, our friend John Allen. Hey, John. What's up, dude? How you doing, man? I'm good. We haven't had you on the program since you've moved over to the uh, NBC News, to the Peacock, have we? I was, I was waiting to be able to talk to you. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We are streaming live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We're also on Facebook Live. Just find us there. And if you can't watch the show live, you can download the show in podcast form. We encourage all of you to do that. It, it, like, seriously, our podcast is so good. If you want just, like, a quick distillation of everything that's going on in the news, check it out. It's the best. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. How about no commercials? No commercials. That's the selling point. No commercials. We get right to the point. Oh, boy. Look at this guy. Dude. What are you going to be, get an alarm? Oh, yeah, man. I got an alarm that told me to come here, and then I just kept... Uh... Well, if that alarm was telling you to come here, you'd be late. I know. Well, I kept hitting snooze like every time OS it went alarm. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, just, yeah. like, hit it. Like... I have an alarm that's like, I should have gotten up 30 minutes ago. Like, it's like the backup yeah. alarm. And if that alarm goes off, I don't know why I said it, because if it goes off, I'll be late anyway. No, but in this case, I just kept hitting, you know, you just hit the button. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hit the face of the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah, get yeah. it to stop it. making the thing. I get it. The no- I get it. The noise. 
John Allen, uh, national politics reporter for NBC News, is going to be with us for the hour here. I understand we got so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Nationals playoff game today? Yeah, you going? I am. I'll see you there. Nice. Yeah, I'll see you there. I got standing room only tickets. John, do what's right. Trade your seats. You should stand the whole game anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's a good. That's a very good point. All right, uh, we got lots to talk about, but first, this with the headlines. is the full court press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. We begin with another hurricane in New oh Orleans. Oh my God, are you serious? New Orleans is bracing for another hurricane that's already ripped through Central America. Hurricane Nate. Nate. By the way, did you see the new list of hurricane names that came out no. for uh, 2018? No. Skyler is on the list. Scott. Who's scared of a Aiden. Hurricane, hurricane Aiden? Anyway, Hurricane Nate is responsible for at least 20 deaths, and the storm is expected to get stronger before it hits Louisiana and Florida this weekend. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards has already declared a state of emergency, so fingers crossed that this is uh, nothing like Harvey or Irma or Maria. Why did they start naming hurricanes after, like, popular children's names? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, Aiden's, like, a pretty popular... It's a very popular Maria. Sure. Like, like, I get it. Like, Irma, there aren't too many Irmas. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a good way to go. Yeah, Irma's yeah, a yeah. grandma name. Yeah. So, like, so kids aren't going to be tortured by the fact that they are that they share a name with a hurricane that, like, killed Skyler. dozens or hundreds of people. Hurricane Skylar. I don't like that name. I'm sorry if that's your name. That's also like kind of a popular. It's you no. Know, I mean, it's like I I know some. I know that there's some kids named Skyler out there. I mean, you could go with like Gertrude, and you're pretty pretty sure that you're going to have a very small number of people. That yeah, are... very few people will be offended by Hurricane Gertrude. Yesterday, Baltimore's ABC affiliate tweeted out a story about a possible hazmat situation at a high school in Baltimore, the Cristo Rey Jesuit High School. They noted that the school was evacuated after a possible hazardous sub- substance was found on the third floor. Just over an hour later, ABC2 News tweeted a follow-up. Quote, update. A spokesman for the Baltimore City Fire Department has confirmed the source of the odor was a pumpkin spice air freshener. Ooh. The high school in Baltimore was evacuated for pumpkin spice. Was she one of the Spice Girls? <laughs> I want to be honest. I am a pumpkin spice believer. I, I like the pumpkin spice. I'm I, split on it. I don't mess with the pumpkin spice latte. It's not for me, but like pumpkin spice. I don't do pumpkin thing. beer. I don't do it. I like pumpkin beer. Pumpkin muffins. I like good pumpkin, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin muffins. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for pumpkin Oh, you know what? Pumpkin They're muffins delicious. and donuts I'm here for. They're delicious. What's wrong with the, the pumpkin spice backlash? Just anyway, don't put it in everything. Cakes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Stay tuned. Very quick break. We'll be right back. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show, five minutes past the hour here on a Friday, October 6th. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Just a quick couple of plugs. Make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at BP Show. Make sure you download the show on iTunes. Just look for The Bill Press Show. We're in there. Every day we put up a little something, the whole show, uncut, no commercials. I say uncut, but we cut the commercials out. That's all right. That 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 that, that still fits in the description, right? Um, the advertisers don't think so. But. The advertisers don't think so, but eh, who cares? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Peter Ogburn, and our guest, the voice you heard, at national political reporter for NBC News, Jonathan Allen. You can follow him on Twitter at John Allen 
DC. That's John J O N Allen A L L E N DC. Good to see you, buddy. Good to be here. I haven't seen you since you moved to NBC News. Uh, this is the end of my first week back after um, nearly dying. So they're letting me host. As, and one of our friends has said, this is like a make-a-wish situation. <laughs> Just letting me host the show. No, after you survive, you don't get a wish. <laughs> yeah, I, don't think, I think it's like when it's terminal, you get to make a wish. Right, yeah, no. You don't. You wouldn't have wanted to host that week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it's an honor you might decline. Yeah. Um, well, we've got lots and lots. Now and lots. that we're laughing about the Make a Wish Foundation, just you know, I feel like typical I, Friday morning. I feel like I can. I feel you like you can. I feel like I can. Now I'm the jerk that you're. Now you're the in. jerk. Uh, so much to talk about. It's been like a crazy, crazy week. Um, first of all, I mean the the awful story out of Las Vegas, which we're going to talk about some of the like legislation or uh, some gun control that we might actually see. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But first. I want to ask you about Congressman Tim Murphy because you you're one of these guys I, I usually go to with, who's like got an encyclopedic knowledge about the the members of Congress. You you you're such a you know all these guys. I go so far back that I remember when uh, the the Pennsylvania Legislature in 2000 uh, after 2000 2002 was redrawing district lines late 2001 early 2002 that. Uh, they were creating two districts, one in the eastern part of the state for a fellow named Jim Gerlach, okay. who served in Congress and is now uh, a lobbyist in town or head of head of an organization in town, and then uh, Tim Murphy uh, near Pittsburgh in the sort of wealthy suburbs of Pittsburgh where like the Pittsburgh Penguins played at the time. That's where his district was. Uh, like it's like Upper Swickley Heights or something. But the joke at the time was they drew these districts for Gerlach and uh, Tim Murphy in the in the Senate, state Senate, because they they wanted to get rid of them. Oh wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not. How'd that, that work the, out? That was the joke at the time, and that's how long I've been aware of Tim Murphy. Now we're in 2017, and Tim Murphy is back in the news because not only uh, was he the co-sponsor of a bill for this. Uh, abortion ban that, that Republicans have been pushing forward. But he has a very, very unique tie to this story. Yeah. Oh, do you want me to say it? Sure, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, allegedly... I was, I was setting you up there. Allegedly, uh, he asked a pregnant mistress to have an abortion. Yeah. The guy who is Mr. Pro-Life, who is pushing forward this bill... Uh, this very conservative bill to outlaw abortions uh, p- past the uh, what's the week that ban that they were that they were looking to uh, ban these abortions? Twenty weeks. Twenty week. Twenty week abortion ban. Um, he's he's like he's the face of this. Like he was really pushing this. Well, I don't know if he's the face. Well, he's of a it. co-sponsor. Correct. I mean, he's, he's definitely on that side of things. Sure. Although some of the text messages that came out. Uh, in uh, I believe the Pittsburgh Post Gazette reporting um, suggested that he wasn't really fully on board with all of that because uh, text messages, uh, you know, if they were correct between him and the woman that he allegedly had this affair with, and I, I think he's actually admitted to. The I was going to say he's I, admitted the, to the he affair. has resigned that part of it. Well, also I, I believe he's admitted to the affair, so okay. that part of it. Were fine. But these text messages allegedly between the two of them. Uh, she was upset about some of the things that he was saying uh, about the March for Life uh, and about being pro-life because 
again, allegedly he asked her to have an abortion, uh, presumably of his own uh, progeny. And so uh, she was upset by that, and he he responded, allegedly. Allegedly. I, I mean, I don't have his phone. Uh, responded that uh, that he his staff was the one doing the tweeting for him, and he didn't really believe in it. That's my favorite part of this story. Like, not it's not just the hypocrisy of a guy that's out there co-sponsoring a bill to to help end abortions and abortion access. Um, while also getting his mistress pregnant and asking her to have an abortion. My favorite part of it is that he blamed essentially all of his pro-life rhetoric on his staff tweeting for him. Like, that's pretty gross. Even by Washington standards, Allegedly, he basically was like... Uh, there, uh, I don't agree with what they've been tweeting, and I will, uh, I will take over that function from yeah. now on. Like, yeah. come on, I'm really? sorry, baby. I, I didn't. That wasn't me talking, honey. That was that was my staff. The old Washington trick, huh? The old Washington trick. Um, so I caught up with Congressman Murphy uh, basically the day that this broke. Oh. I sort of caught up with him. Uh, everybody had the the House chamber staked out, and he pulled this kind of uh, sly move where he. He basically sat in the cloakroom where you can't see him uh, from outside the chamber um, for for most of the vote on this on this uh, pro life bill, and he uh, he then <laughs> slipped out the Democratic side of the uh, speaker's lobby, which is this this area adjacent to the House chamber, mm-hmm. and then right down a flight of stairs next to it. Um, <laughs> that's basically usually considered like a member's. Members only type. I mean, you don't. You almost never see like anybody other than members using this flight of stairs. Well, I had some good information about where where he was going to be coming out, and uh, I got. Of there. course, you did. By the way, you, you like you like you're so connected. Well, some days. So I so I get to this balcony over where the stairs are. These like big marble stairs that he's like trying to slip down. And I get to the balcony, and you know, some days being a reporter is um, less. I don't know, um, sophisticated mm-hmm. than other days. And I shouted at him, uh, did you ask your mistress to have an abortion? Oh, that's... <laughs> Which is probably the only time don't I'll yell that... sh- shout that at anyone. Don't yell that at the next Nats game tonight. No. Right? Like, there are certain places you could shout that. Like, Congress, you'd probably get a couple of answers I mean, there. in a Nats game, you might get a you lot of You might get answers there. <laughs> so... <laughs> there too. Oh, I've seen Jason Miller at the Nats game before. Yeah, true. Me too. Wait, were we together when we saw Jason? Yeah, Miller in that he was scene? in. Yeah. He was dressed in all neon, and he was double fisting, double fisting, beers. double fisting beers. Which, if I was Jason Miller, I'd be double fisting too. So, anyway, yeah, it's I, probably I, about like eight weeks into his mistress's pregnancy too. Yeah, go ahead. I'm not going there. Um, oh no, 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 we, no, we're scum. We'll go there. Yeah. So then, then I asked. Uh, <laughs> I followed that up with, "Is it true?" And um, and then I followed that up with, uh, "Do you have anything to say?" Like nothing. And he just kind of sped off like because he was going down so he gave you nothing he gave me nothing and and i had a recording that i was going to share with anybody that wanted it um but it was just a recording of me yelling questions because he wasn't answering them i want that recording we can remix that that'd be fun uh i'm not i i, I would have to ask my boss <laughs> i think it might be property of my, <laughs> my company so i want to play this clip from paul ryan really quickly uh, jamie uh where he talked about tim murphy because he is it's not just that he's not running for re-election. He resigned. He's done. And well, he said he was going to not run for re-election, and it was like, come on, dude. Yeah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I mean, because yeah. every day people are going to hound you, and you're going to be distracted. That's going to be the story. Caucus, yeah. and 
some people will focus on how your staff thought you were like uh, really awful, and some people are going to focus on you asking your mistress to have an abortion, yeah. and some people are going to focus on you having a mistress, and eventually people are going to ask, why is it that your chief of staff is so upset about all of this? <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, there's like a whole set of uh, there's a whole set of things. Uh, that would have been a distraction not only for him but for the entire Republican conference. Yeah, every single day, every day, every single day. So Paul Ryan, uh, Speaker of the House, had this to say about Tim Murphy stepping. I down. think it's appropriate that he um, moves on to the next chapter of his life, uh, and I think he agrees with that. I won't go into the timing of announcements, um, but I think it's appropriate that he, and it's in his interest to move on to the next chapter of his life. You know what I think is interesting about that? I, I mean, good. For, I, Good for Paul Ryan. Yes, he's right. He should move on. Uh, but there was a story earlier this week about how Paul Ryan called the Trump administration to help beg for Tom Price's job after he was uh, he was sent packing. And, like, look, I'm not saying that one thing is worse than the other, right? But, like, Tom Price and the way that he completely grifted off of the United States government and for Paul Ryan to think that's okay – Versus, I'm not sure Paul Ryan thinks that's okay. I think that Tom Price is Paul Ryan's close personal friend. Yeah, and no, I, think, I know. I think Paul Ryan's looking at it. But, like, this is it, politics. I think Ryan's looking at it and saying, you're probably looking at it and thinking, like, every cabinet official is doing that. I mean, there's, yeah. the, the number of White House and cabinet officials who have been doing this kind of thing is significant. And sure. for the one guy to fall for it uh, and it being Ryan's actual personal friend. His buddy. Who knows? Maybe Price asked Ryan to interview, you know, like or to be ready to to kind of push back on this. I mean, the optics, as they say, are not very good. They're not good. I mean, but I that's not the thing that's going to make or yeah. break Paul Ryan. Yeah. Here's the problem with this. Go ahead. You know, Paul Ryan. There were two parts of that statement talking about the next stage of Tim Murphy's career. Yeah. As if. We should be talking about him making more money. He's going to go off and make a lot of money. And, and just in case you, you don't think that that's actually going to happen, because it will, Michael oh, okay. Grimm came back this week. Yeah, that's right. Michael Grimm, that's right. who went to jail after serving and is now probably going to run again. I, I, I think he officially announced he's going to run again, right? Mm. I did hear him make the interesting distinction the other day where he was like, because he was asked uh, on uh, MSNBC by Ari Melber whether... Um, you know, like whether there was like some sort of conflict because in so many places felons can't vote, and <laughs> and he's running for Congress and like oh and in New York he's allowed to vote anywhere. I think he'd be able to run for office. I don't think running for office is a problem mm. for for ex convicts. But Grimm sort of made this good to know. Yeah, that, yeah, that's good. That's very good to know. Grimm sort of made this distinction. He goes, "Well, look, if you're you know you're if you're a felon." <laughs> and you've committed some sort of violent crime, you should not be able to uh, to vote. And he was like, "But well, that's not the case with me." But the, but he is a felon. Yeah, he is a felon. It was tax it, evasion, it, it, it but was he's still a felon. Tax fraud was what he pleaded guilty to. So, uh, or what he was convicted of, I believe he pleaded guilty to it. So, and also like that's what he got in trouble for. But like, remember, he's the guy who also threatened physical violence against a reporter. He told this reporter he's going to break him in half and throw him over the balcony. Not, not really a crime. I mean, I, no, it's not a crime. I'm not I, saying it's a crime, and I'm not saying that like he's a good guy. Uh, that, like he deserves that, that. That should be the 
hitting moment, like the moment that we remember from him. But like for him to say like, oh, people who, you know, commit acts of violence, like that came pretty close to an act of violence. I'm always amazed that members of Congress, candidates for office who have violent streaks, like for whatever reason, they never want to tangle with me. Oh, no, no. You, uh, you, you, you and I have the same issue. Like, you and I look like bouncers. Like, no one really wants to mess with us. No one's like, I'm going to try to throw you over the balcony. Yeah. Like, eh. No, like, there are a couple of people. There was a guy There's a guy who used to write for Breitbart. Oh, what's that guy's name? John something. Um, he was their media guy for Breitbart. But he told me, he was like, if I ever meet you, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I said, I really, really, really hope we get that chance. A lot of bluster behind those keyboards at uh, Breitbart HQ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, everywhere. There's a lot of bluster behind keyboards yeah, everywhere. I really hope. I, I have I have yet to meet the guy. Oh, God. I can't remember the guy's name. It doesn't matter. I got to remember that, though, in case I ever meet him. But we can bounce. We can bounce. Look, look. If you need producing, guest hosting, political reporting, slash bouncing services, we're your guys. Yeah. Well, you guys. You got a party this weekend? Let us know. Yeah, let us know. What you, like nine, ten bucks an hour? Yeah. What's, what's it going rate for? Good and bouncer? beer. And be, get, and we got to get beer at the end of the night. Hey, I want to ask you about something else. We didn't talk about this, but uh, <clears throat> I haven't seen you since Hillary Clinton's book came out. And you wrote- It's been a long time since you and I saw each other. It's, been a, it's been a little while. Um, you wrote sort of the definitive book about Hillary Clinton's failed campaign- uh, for the uh, presidency in 2016, Shattered. You and Amy Parnes uh, wrote that book. We've talked to both of you about it many, many times. But I'd like to get your reaction to Hillary's book because uh, I know you read it and I know you wrote some stuff about it. Um, what, did, did she get the big message from 2016 or does she sort of rewriting her, her history of it? Uh, I would say that, um, as a lot of people told Amy and myself for our book um she there there are some blind sp- spots in her reflection yeah and, and by, the, by, by the way i'm not here to beat up on yeah, hillary clinton no. like every politician has a lot of blind spots well, so she, this isn't like a an, like an attack interview i just yeah, i'm just curious because you know her pretty well and you knew her campaign really well i mean her the if you read the full book you will see some lines where she says things like you know like i i could have done this better or i did this wrong or you know, it's my fault I lost. There are a few lines like that. The thrust of the book is it's everybody else's fault. Yeah. And there, look, she lost by 70,000 votes across three uh, key swing states. You know, that that was the difference. So you could point to pretty much any factor and say that was the determinative factor. But the, the truth is she was in a position to lose that election and probably should not have been. Yeah. Um, Jamie had the story earlier this week about how the Russian Facebook ads targeted specifically uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, I think. Yeah, but so and the, I said, and I said, well, if only Hillary Clinton had targeted those states as hard as the Russian Facebook hackers, right. she I might mean, not have this issue. I think we should wait a little bit on some of the till we get. A, I mean, to, to make a judgment, look, everybody should report what they get, sure, uh, when they get it. But I think we should wait a little bit to make some judgments on uh, the dis, the degree to which all that was targeted. There was some subsequent reporting, actually, from NBC. Uh, that there were a lot of states that uh, those Facebook ads went to that were not swing states, Maryland, Alabama, places yeah. like that. So, I mean, um, I, I think that uh, I, I think what we're going to find is um, that the interference of Russia in our society is a lot larger than 
one election and um, has a lot to do with disruption and sowing discord and less to do with particular outcomes. You know, one of my other big takeaways here, uh, not not necessarily just uh, uh, on the Hillary Clinton thing, but like I'm ready to say that I think Facebook is bad. I think Facebook is not a good not a good company. I agree. As I scroll through Facebook, <laughs> no, look, I mean, I'm on Facebook and I look at it a lot, and 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 like I know that people are kind of moving away from that, but like this is a this is a company that that has. How many how many billions of people are on Facebook now? I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, everybody's on Facebook, and it's the size. Well, if you have fake accounts, you know, you could have more people. That's than true. The world. <laughs> I don't think they're there yet. Not yet. <laughs> but like, this is a this is a company that has a membership bigger than any country in the world, and not only do they have that huge membership, but they have n- not only your like statistics, who you are, how tall you are status how many kids you have but also like what you like you know which is you give, that, you give them all that information you give them all that like what's your favorite movie what shows are you currently watching what are you doing every wednesday night at 9 p.m you know if you have a show that you're watching you t- you, you you facebook about or if it, you're like, a congressman from western pennsylvania <laughs> you know you know not to mention that their founder and ceo is probably going to run for president it's looking that way I I would I'd still be surprised if Mark Zuckerberg ran for president. I, I'll put it this way. I, it, so why is he making all these trips? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know that he's definitely going to run for president, but he's acting like he's running for president. I think he wants to get a better feel for the for the public. I mean, look, if you're Mark Zuckerberg, like it's hard for you to get an opportunity to talk to people who aren't sycophants or aren't people, yeah. you know, kind of paid to like tell you how great you are and to tell you how great the service is. Yeah. Um as far That's as fair. as far as the company goes, I mean, it's a company. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, I sort of good and bad, or like, I don't know. I they're probably not. Well, oh, no, I'm an I idiot. Would, I can say things like that. Yeah, you, you, you can deal not with words nuance. that I would use to describe fa- certainly Facebook or any probably a whole lot of other companies because you know, they have a they have a, like a certain motives that are that don't line up necessarily yeah. with like indiv- like your individual morality. Um, I think that. It's important to remember that these are platforms. Yeah. Um, and they can be used as uh, tools. They can be used as weapons. They can be used as, you know, pretty much anything that anyone wants to use them for. Can, you know, they can be used in any way. Um, one of the things that I think it has not been discussed that sort of worries me when you start talking about regulating um, what uh, – what kind of comes across their wire and who buys stuff and who's who has speech is that number one you've got a first amendment mm-hmm. issue there but but even more so um at what point do you start regulating the news industry yeah you know beyond saying like i mean it's, i i think there is a slippery pretty easy slippery slope there between um you know facebook shouldn't have fake news on it and this news that I don't like constitutes That's, fake news, even though it's true. And by the way, we we have a president of the United States who um, believes that a lot of the the news reporting that's going on, or at least says that a lot of the news reporting that's going on is fake. He like, discredited even, your news organization. Yeah, like week, you, John. you, you. I, you know, I, I disagree with that. He did not discredit my news organization. He may have attempted to do that. He attempted to. I believe that that backfires on him. 
you you are one of the people that I sort of think of as as like a journalism purist, right? Like you're you're like an old school journalist. That's how I that's how I view you. Well, I appreciate that. And and like <laughs> NBC News or CNN or whoever would not ha- would not run with a story unless they have sort of you know serious confirmation on it. Like it's they they don't really deal in. It's very professional. Yeah, the things that are reported are extremely well vetted. That doesn't mean that news organizations don't make mistakes sometimes. Sometimes mistakes will, and they, will be made. And they correct the mistakes, yeah. which is the difference between a news organization and somebody who's not a news organization. Yeah. One of the key differences is they have a commitment to finding the truth. And if a news organization is off on that, they will attempt to correct the record on it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I've watched this at any number of places. Yeah. Real news organizations are very serious about trying to get stories right and making sure that everything is right. Yeah, you can't just call it fake news because you don't like it. No, I mean, look, it's the last refuge of uh, people who don't like like true stories. Right. Right, like if Barack Obama, if there were some negative stories that came out about him and he had just come out and said, well, that's just fake news. It's not a true story. It's It's, it's all made up. It's all lies. Like, we'd hold him to the same standard, like. Tell us why it's fake news. Tell tell us where it's wrong. Speaking of fake news, switching platforms from Facebook to Twitter, we haven't addressed this yet on this morning's show. Real Donald Trump tweeting last night at 9.58 p.m. Ralph Northam, who is running for governor of Virginia, is fighting for the violent MS-13 killer gangs in sanctuary cities. Not true. Vote (laughs) Ed Gillespie. (laughs) Like, we can say categorically that Ralph Northam is not fighting for the MS-13 gangs. You might not like Ralph Northam's politics, and you might disagree with him, but we can say he is not fighting for the MS-13 gangs. You might not know who Ralph Northam is. Sure. Even before Trump started this narrative, (laughs) if uh, we we all live here, we we get these ads on TV, right? No matter you're in D.C. or Maryland or Virginia. That narrative has already been pushed by Ed Gillespie in in these ads. Oh, yeah. that, That Northam is... Uh, not tough enough on MS-13 gangs. That's different. Sure, it's very different. That's a different charge <laughs> than he is fighting for MS-13. Absolutely. Oh, my God. He is categorically not fighting for MS-13. I think we can Or any that. other organized gang, or any disorganized gang, for that matter. Uh, we're going to talk about some gun control in the next segment of the show, but really quickly, you have a piece about the... Tax reform that we're fighting for. That's like we, we've given up on uh, repealing Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act for now. We, meaning the Republicans. I hate, I'm not sure why I'm putting myself in that crowd, but the Republicans have given up on repealing Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act. So now they're moving on to tax reform. And your headline, which certainly grabbed my attention, this one word is worth $500 billion as Congress debates tax cuts. And that word is... Policy. Policy. Ah, when I think of policy, I think of guys like Donald Trump, a guy who's really steeped in policy and nuance. So basically, this is uh, <laughs> Go ahead. The, re, basically Republicans right now uh, want to do a tax reform bill that will uh, create a lot of new deficit spending, and they want it to look like they're not doing a lot of deficit spending. Yeah. So. What they're talking about, and I don't think they're going to actually codify this in uh, the legislation that they're using, um, but when they talk about the deficits, uh, they're going to talk about how 
they should be using a current policy baseline instead of a current law baseline. And what the difference is there is uh, when you use a current the current law to project what the budget's going to look like in the future, uh, if a law expires, say a tax cut expires, you assume that it expires and that you get a whole bunch the government gets a whole bunch more money the next year because the law has expired. Mm-hmm. Under current policy, you assume that a tax cut that exists is there in perpetuity even if the law says that it ends. Mm. Um, and therefore you assume less revenue over time. If you cut taxes from that lower revenue baseline, you have less of a deficit. In this case, that one word, and you're going to hear members talk about the the current policy a whole lot, it basically pretends that there is $500 billion of debt that isn't there. In reality, the debt is there, but what they're saying is uh, you should look at this bill as uh, causing $500 billion less of debt. What's so not funny to me, because it's... It's crazy. And I urge you to read the story because it's kind of complicated stuff, and I think it's more followable the way that I wrote it than the way that I talk about it. NBCnews.com is the place you can go read that story by uh, our guest, Jonathan Allen. This one word is worth $500 billion as Congress debates tax cuts. It's so interesting to me how much they're willing to put up with just to get to this, right? Like how much that Republicans have dealt with with Donald Trump, and whether you are Republican or Democrat, you have to understand that, like, he's put them in some very, very tough positions as president. But, like, it's all going to be worth it to them to get this done. At the end of the day, tax cuts are the one big unifying thing for the Republican Party. Which I would have thought it was the repeal of Obamacare, but, like, because so many of them ran on that. But that's not – I mean, that was sort of the pace on their campaign. This is what they really are into. Well, right. I mean, it's not like they it's not like the vast majority of them wanted to, like, get together and write health care policy that right. subsidizes uh, health insurance for millions of Americans. It's not like it's just not their It's not their jam. I understand. Right. Tax cuts are their jam. Yeah, that's their jam. That's like that's kind of who they are. That's their identity. All right. We're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Las Vegas and the deadly the deadliest shooting on American soil that we've ever seen and whether or not we're going to see anything actually happen. My guest is John Allen, national reporter for NBC, national political reporter for NBC News. You can follow him on Twitter at John Allen DC. Read his fine, fine work at NBCnews.com. Very, very quick break. We'll be right back. I don't think that uh, the 80 or 90 million Americans who exercise their Second Amendment rights to... Uh, own a gun should be punished for the act of one evil person. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show, 36 minutes past the hour. Joined for the full hour, national political reporter for NBC News, Jonathan Allen. Hi, John. Hey, man. It's just you and me. Aw. For the whole hour. I, I've always kind of wanted Hour of your attention. <laughs> I guess I'm chopped liver then, huh? Well, Jamie's here too, and I Ray Rogers is here, and Cyprian Bolding is here, and and Paul Jamie, is here. Jamie's back in the dunk tank. He's back in the dunk tank. Right, here we go again. 
<laughs> no, I, I like I I cannot make any Jamie jokes for because uh, he's done nice things for you for a while because he's been, he he did very nice things for me and he's been carrying uh, all the water I couldn't carry the past couple weeks. Jamie's a really good guy. Um, well, I'm not gonna say that. I'm just saying he's done a good job. I think he's a really good. I think he's a really good guy, <laughs> but like he's also tough enough to take a little mild bullying from in here. No, he can take it. I understand that. My mom, on the other hand, I don't know. Your mom doesn't like it. Yeah. No. Jamie, this is what kind of guy Jamie is. Jamie, when I was in the hospital, I recently was in the hospital for a little while, Jamie actually came and watched Alabama football with me, which I know how hard that was for you to do. Did, look at, look at his did the doctors really think that was such a good idea? Well, the doctors Alabama football. It was the first, I'm glad you asked about that, John. the first game of the season, and this was the first week after I had, had open heart surgery. Yeah, the following Saturday. The following Saturday, less than a week after I had uh, I, I'd, I'd had my whole incident. And uh, I, I get a little worked up. I get a little yeah, worked up, like- and she came in and she drugged me because my my blood pressure was getting too high watching this stupid game. She kept insisting that we turn turn it the off. game off. Turn so the game finally, off. I said, "All right, what I'm are you going to do with the Nationals game tonight?" I'll be fine. I got I got medication for it. You mean yeah, but you're standing the whole time. <laughs> well, it's standing room only, but they have all those little seats for like the family area. I'll 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 I'll, I'll sit there. Take care of yourself. What am I going to do? I can't stand the whole game. I've got an affliction. I got a bum ticker. You're going to try to get a wheelchair. You have to assume that the. Ne- <gasps> Ooh, I we should shouldn't make jokes about, about that. that. It's not a joke. I can't. Yeah, you, well, technically, I am anemic. It, yeah. I don't have like I don't have all the blood that I should have right now. So I could totally get a wheelchair. What you should do is just assume that the Nationals are going to lose. I already assume that. So that you don't get all charged up. I'm not going to get charged up. Yeah. Not for game one. Because I assume they're going to lose not only this game, but the series. <sighs> I can't take it, man. <laughs> I know. It's heartbreaking. I know. It's, it's killer. And, like, the thing is, we won't spend too much time on this. But the thing is, like, you look at the Nationals lineup and they got, I mean, it's murderous row all over again. But like you it's know, solid potential is a is a is a, is a real problem for these guys. Yeah, rising to the occasion has never really been. I'm feeling good about Steven Strasburg on the mound right now. I would not have said that at any other point. What about the career. rest of the pitching staff? Scherzer's got some problems. Geo looked terrible. I mean, I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's had some health issues. Geo looked like he looked, he looked two bad. years ago or three years ago. I know. Like walking. I was at look. the game five against the Cardinals when Geo was left to die on the mound by our manager Davey Johnson at the time, and like I remember, I remember what we're capable of. No, I know. This is a Bill Press show breaking news. But we're update. guaranteed to have a better week than Tim Murphy, Congressman. That's from, fair. Former Congressman from Pennsylvania. That's fair. Breaking news that update. That was not the breaking news. Uh, the breaking news is the economy lost 33,000 jobs oh. last month. The Labor Department just out with its official hiring and unemployment figures for September. The unemployment rate fell to 4.2% down from 4.4% in August. The average hourly wage grew by uh, 0.45% for a year-over-year gain of 2.9%. All I'm going to say is I hope that the economy recovers from that dip. Um, There is a danger in Donald Trump running around and bragging about how good he's been for the economy. In the last 24 hours, he tweeted... Stock market hits an all-time high, unemployment lowest in 16 years, business and manufacturing enthusiasm at the highest level in decades. And his last tweet, 
Oh, yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Is a retweet from Fox Business. Stock alert. U.S. market since the election shows the Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ all up under Donald Trump. Uh, that is his last retweet. And look, I take no pleasure in seeing any kind of dip in the economy because that means that Americans are losing jobs. But we saw the economy going up, 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 under Barack Obama. And never once was he tweeting about how great he's been for the economy. I mean, he certainly took a victory lap, you know, and said that, like, we're getting there and we're rebuilding and all that. Well, he got sort of jammed, right, in that. He wanted to take credit for the positive strides, but also uh, when you're taking credit for the economy doing well and people don't personally feel like their economic situation is getting better, uh, you sound terrible taking credit for a roaring economy that is essentially being felt by the top. That doesn't stop Donald Trump from doing it. By the way, the New York Uh, Times... We'll see see where we are in a couple of years. Like, How do people feel about their personal situation? And look... Uh, the tax cut that he wants to deliver uh, will certainly be something where people feel, not everybody, but a lot of people will feel like they've got more money in the, their pocket than they did before in the short term. What that means for the long term is another question. But uh, this fee, I have deja vu with this whole thing about promising people they're going to put money in their pockets. This is, this is very George W. Bushy. Like, I, I mean, well, I mean, he sent $300 checks to everyone. Yeah. And how'd the economy do under George W. Bush? It did not do well at the end. That's for I'm sure. I'm not saying that it was. I'm not saying it was directly responsible for for those checks. But like, I mean, economic cycles are are bigger than presidents by that's and fair. large. You're right. I think they can do more to mess up the economy than they can to help it. That's sure. My, that's my general view. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's true that Barack Obama over the course of his eight years was in a slow, steady recovery. Yeah. Um, and it's also true that a lot of people didn't feel that recovery. That's fair. That's absolutely 100% fair. Um, and I think a lot of people haven't felt that recovery yet. Um, so if you suddenly find yourself with, uh, you know, say you make forty or $50,000 a year and you suddenly find yourself with another $1,000 in your pocket uh, or another $1,500 in your pocket, like maybe you maybe you will respond when somebody asks you are you better off than you were yeah. a year ago yeah. maybe you'll respond yes yeah no. you know the new york times mentions in their story about the labor department's I mean, I, numbers this morning i think morning. most people would like to be taxed as little as possible and still get the services that they want yeah fair fair what were you saying jamie about the new york times the new york times notes in their story this morning that a big reason for these job losses is from the slowdown caused by hurricane the harvey hurricanes. and hurricane maria uh, so I'm a little worried that Donald Trump is going to come out and tweet and blame the hurricanes for this. He will, That will happen. I miss the whole hurricane thing. Like, I miss most of the Hurricane Harvey stuff. little segue, by the way. I want to get back to something we were talking about oh, yeah. uh, earlier in the uh, hour here. Yeah. So the Weather Channel released the 2017-2018 uh, winter storm names. This isn't hurricanes. Now, these are not hurricanes. These are the, the winter storms. Okay. Which, by the way, is a new thing, and I don't like naming the winter storms. It really bothers me that we name these winter storms. Because yeah. they're just storms. So here are uh, a couple of the 2017-2018 uh, uh, winter storm names. Okay. Uh, Aiden. 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 We remember Aiden. Benji. Benji. Chloe. Chloe. Dylan. Oh, boy. Ethan. Frankie. It's, like I'm, right going to, it's like I'm going to preschool, picking up my kids. Uh, shout out to Duke fans out there. Grayson. Oh, boy. Hunter. Hunter, very popular. Jackson. J-A-X-O-N. Jackson. Oh, come on. 
Kalani, Liam, Mateo. This is honestly like the most popular baby names from 2009. Yeah. I'll speed through them. Quinn, Riley, Skyler, Toby, Uma, Violet, Wilbur. Uma? Zanto. X-A-N-T-O. Zanto. <laughs> Yvonne. I guess you have to... You and run out Zoe. Of yeah, yeah. You, you don't have a whole lot of options with the X's, <laughs> do you? Those are a handful of the 2017-2018 winter storm names. As someone noted on Twitter, these are all people who cannot have gluten in their diets. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I'm very anti this. I'm very anti naming the storms, and I think that the names are are, are silly for the storms. I'm I'm full. I'm in full curmudgeon mode. I do feel like that having some way to distinguish one storm from another is a good way to go. Hey, you remember we had snow snowmageddon. You remember snowmageddon? Uh, well, sort of. I, I may have been I may have been heavily intoxicated. Yeah, snowmageddon. That's a very good oh, point. <laughs> I was in college. I was at GW. And oh man, we literally would wait until like three or four p.m. every afternoon when the university would send a notice saying all classes all were canceled. Classes canceled. And it would happen every day, but sure. we never knew. So we would have to wait until oh. three or four in the afternoon to start drinking, and then it was oh god, Katie Barth. But it was hard to find. You know, it was the um, the Safeway and the Watergate, which is no longer there, was the only uh, uh, store that was actually selling liquor. I'll never forget. This is uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'll never forget when this happened. We stayed down here so that I could get to work, and we stayed at a hotel really, really close. So I could just walk. You in. didn't stay at Hotel Dammit. I didn't stay at Hotel Dammit because mm. I had my I had my uh, wife and kids with me. And um, we were calling and calling and calling and, like, seeing who was serving food. So I called down to uh, a bar restaurant on Barracks Row, Matchbox. And they're like, yeah, we're serving food and alcohol. Come on down. So I gather my wife and kids. The storm had begun. We make our way. It seemed like several blocks. We get down there and they're like, oh, oh no, we weren't serving food. We're just serving alcohol. And I'm like, oh, God. Jesus, just serving alcohol. Just serving alcohol, and like I got my it's family. It's like a real restaurant. It's not like it's a bar. It's not like it's a bar. Like a, it's, it's a, a real restaurant, restaurant. With like a little bit of a bar. And they didn't have any kitchen staff. They just had some bartenders there slinging booze. That's that's infuriating. Well, that well, the kids learned to love Jim Beam that night. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. It's a good country song. Yeah, right. The night the kids learned. <laughs> the to night love the Jim kids Beam. learned to love Jim Beam. Uh, so it's we don't the, like it when Daddy drinks it. No, but. <laughs> Daddy can't drink it, but the kids are a lot of fun. Um, it's been a hell of a week, John. I think uh, this 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 week started out with the worst news that we could have gotten. Yet again, we have witnessed the deadliest mass shooting on American soil uh, in Las Vegas at the, um, the this country and western music concert. Uh, a man on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay shot 500 yards away into a large crowd of, uh, of music fans. Um, I want to start first of all with the NRA because they put out a kind of a perplexing statement yesterday where they, some people have begun hailing them as entering into the whole gun control debate. And really, I think it's a watered down, I think, would be too generous of a term for what the NRA said yesterday about the bump stocks. They said they didn't call on any new regulations and any new laws. They called for the ATF to. Uh, strengthen their guidelines of the bump stocks, and they called for the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act. Well, what is that? 
That would allow gun owners to travel state to state with concealed weapons, even when traveling to states with laws restricting concealed weapons. Yeah, I think this is, I, I think that part of it is essentially a warning to gun control advocates that if they want to do something legislatively, that the NRA will push to sure. match it with the concealed carry. So, like, the bump stock gets uh, gets outlawed, and at the same time, you have this reciprocity thing go through. But really, it was interesting that they waited all week to make that statement. But it's even more interesting that they made a statement at all. They they usually stay pretty quiet about this stuff. Well, they went they went dark for a while, and then they they came up and and sort of resurfaced here. I think. What's going on with this is, and you see uh, a bunch of members of Congress echoing what the NRA is saying. Actually, yeah. the members said it first, then the NRA said it, but yeah. they're obviously uh, not so far off from each other. I think what you've got going Weird on, how that happens. <laughs> yeah. I think what you, so what they're saying is they would like to see the ATF revisit a determination that the ATF could not regulate these bump stocks. And what that does is it takes it out of the congressional arena. And taking it out of the congressional arena means that uh, when the Senate, if the Senate were to bring up bump stock legislation, uh, that could be uh, a free-for-all of amendments of gun control. It's not something that the NRA wants debated. They don't want to have any of that stuff debated. They certainly don't want to have it debated in the the wake of the deadliest mass shooting in American history or modern American history. Um, uh, So what I think the NRA is trying to do is make sure that the venue is within the executive branch and not the legislative branch. And if the executive branch makes a decision, it will have much less attention uh, brought to it simply because they don't debate it. The, the ATF doesn't have a debating floor with 100 senators. Uh, they don't have an amendment process. And in addition to that, the ATF has already determined that they can't. Re- they don't have the power to regulate uh, bump stocks because they they essentially don't modify the weapon. So they're not only not a weapon for the ATF to, to regulate, but they are also not a modification to that weapon. Yeah. They're a device that basically uh, you know, transfers energy faster between your shoulder and your finger yeah. um, to allow you to shoot faster. So uh, I think that the NRA is doing what it can to avoid any serious legislating on this, um, and they are getting some help from inside Congress. And at the same time, you have everyone saying that they're open a lot of lawmakers, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, said to uh, Hugh Hewitt of MSNBC yesterday uh, that he wanted to look into this issue. Yeah, none of that is we want to legislate. Right. I mean, I, I think I think it's so interesting how much credit Republicans and the NRA, which they're very they're tied very closely together, but I think how much credit they got yesterday because you know Sarah Sanders yesterday in the press briefing said that they they'll have the conversation about the bump stocks. Paul Ryan said he's willing to look at that. But in your piece at NBCnews.com, uh, this 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 statement, and I know that this is not a new statement, that we, it's not like we, we haven't heard this before, but from Richard Shelby from Alabama, I'm a Second Amendment man. I'm not for any gun control. And, like, I know that that's not a new sentiment expressed from the senator from Alabama, but, like, the week after something like this happens, and where we see a semi-automatic weapon get turned into an automatic weapon that mowed down this many people, um, to, to, to just sort of blatantly say, like, I'm not for any gun control? Like, none? None whatsoever? That's his position, and I think it's consistent with the majority of voters in Alabama. 
Certainly no, the I majority, know. Certainly the majority of his base in Alabama. Oh, no, you're right. You're right about that. But I also like, you know, it, it's so interesting to me. There are so many people who are just like, oh, well, you know, there are terrorist acts that are carried out with cars and trucks. Why are we going to start regulating them? We do regulate them. You have to get a driver's license. You have to have a vehicle registration. You have to have all this information. You have to have insurance for your car. Like there are multiple ways because the cars, cars are deadly things. Yes. I mean, you get inside they have, of a they, hunk of metal and hurdle at 70 miles per hour. But cars also have a purpose other than killing. Other than killing, right. I mean, and uh, and guns, look, there's a recreational purpose, like target shooting, whatever, that's oh, not killing. Absolutely. Right? But but the basic design of a gun is to kill. Yeah. Right? And, like I, that's, and, and, and like, look, I have a lot of hunters in my family. Um, I've gone hunting once in my life. I'm not. I'm not a hunter. I don't have any guns in my house. I never will. Uh, but like the difference between having a rifle that you can teach your kid how to shoot a deer to feed your family in the winter months, if that's your thing, versus having a semi-automatic weapon that you put a bump stock in. Like if you try and go hunting with that, you will turn that deer into a fine red mist. There is no hunting. It's just killing. And it, what's interesting to me, we had said, I, 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 I had said take everybody's guns, melt them down, right? I don't really care, right? And I know that that's anti-Second Amendment and all that, and that's fine. And Bill doesn't agree with that, and that's fine too. But, like, what was interesting to me when I said that, I got a lot of grief for it online. And they said, yeah, come and try and take our guns, and you'll start a civil war. We'll kill you. And that, to me, sort of shows there's a weird, like, it's not about hunting. It's not about protecting your home. Well, there are a lot of things that it's about. I mean, I think everybody has, a, I think everybody who uh, supports gun rights has a different view of what it's about. I actually explained this to Prince Charles once. Oh, well, I mean, you're going to have I, to tell yeah. me that story. I'm sorry. You can't just put that out there. So I was uh, I was invited to the British Embassy when he was visiting uh, a couple of years ago, and he was going to Kentucky, and he was interested in finding out about the gun culture, and he said he, said he couldn't understand yeah. why Americans were so tied to their guns. I and still don't I, understand that. Do you have an answer to that question? Yeah, well, I said, you know, it's interesting. I think that there was a fear in the early days of this country that uh, we might be uh, taken over or ruled by a tyrannical government, perhaps one even as far away as across an ocean. <laughs> and that it was possible that, that, that even if we were to overthrow these overlords, that uh, they might come back. Mm -hmm. They might try to start a war with us. Yep. Uh, and so I explained to him that I thought that the basic gun culture in the United States was mostly about preserving what we had built. Yeah. Uh, and trying to make sure that we were not tyrannized by an army of, say, foreign soldiers. Yeah. Uh, he, at some point in the midst of this, he caught on to <laughs> what I was saying yeah. and, and laughed and smiled and was very gracious about it. But I, I can never remember a time in which I more felt um, like it was important to uh, explain our gun culture in a way that somebody could understand. Because I, I was like, really, like, you, you're inconsiderate of the history of yeah. our countries. Yeah. Um, and I... I think that's a very well – I mean, I think that's a good description of sort of what drives the gun culture in this Well, country. I think that's a big part of it. I think that's yeah. a big part of why that's in, you know, sort of embedded in who we are, and, and you can layer things on top of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the South believed that the, that the North – you know, like 
I think there was a time where you could see textbooks in the South probably that referred to the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression. Oh, no, no, no. I grew up, and, <laughs> and it was called, in my family and everywhere else, it was the War of Northern Aggression. So, you know, I mean, I think that there are layers upon layers upon layers of this, and some of it is a hunting culture. I think that's true, like, uh, you know, a lot of places in the middle of the country where people do actually go out and hunt. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and in some cases, want to feed their families with the the meat that they sure uh, procure. And then, you know, I think some of it is philosophical, and some of it is just about basic liberty. But it, it's a for a lot of Americans, it is a pretty strongly held belief that they have a right to carry a gun, and it is backed by an amendment to the Constitution that is no less, uh, no less. I don't know, set in stone mm. than the First Amendment or the Fourth Amendment or the one, you know, you can't, you can't really pick and choose your amendments. Yeah. I, I don't think. I mean, you can if you want to try to repeal them. If sure. someone wants to try to repeal the Second Amendment, you know, they have the right to try to do that. It's a very difficult process. We have about a minute left before we have to break. I just want to ask you really quickly, you have another piece about the 2020 Democrats and they are sort of targeting on guns and gun control. Um how big of an issue is that going to be in the in the 2020 election? I think it's pretty much a litmus test at this point. Bernie yeah. Sanders got hammered on that in yeah, the 2016 election, and it was effective. Um, I think de- for a lot of Democrats, this is a voting issue in primaries. And what you're hearing from Democratic potential Democratic presidential candidates is no longer this balance that you heard from Barack Obama, which was, right. uh, you know, there's, there are reasonable gun controls, but I believe strongly in the Second Amendment. I'm uh, a uh, big fan of skeet shooting. I shoot skeet at Camp David. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, and there are pictures of it. And yeah. You probably don't want those pictures to come out, Mr. President. <laughs> um, so the, the uh, but the point is, uh, these candidates are no longer they're no longer tempering what they say, talking about the Second Amendment. They're saying let's get gun control. Jonathan Allen, national political reporter for NBC News, good friend of mine, good friend of the show. Follow him on Twitter at John Allen DC and read his fine, fine work. My name is Peter Ogburn. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Nats. We'll see you on Monday. This is the Bill Press Show.